Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 279. Today is Sunday, the 27th of May, 2018. And this interview is with Andrew McGuinness, who's the CEO of Ellipsis Entertainment and founder of the BMB and Seven Dials, no relationship, PR agency. Through Dot 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 London, part of Ellipsis, Andrew partnered with a couple of agencies to create an innovative and provocative entertainment experience in the heart of Clerkenwell, London. It's an immersive, multi-reality, 60-minute experience that is well worth the visit. In this conversation with Andrew, we look behind the scenes at the making of the experience, the challenges and surprises, as well as the future plans. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss branding and all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host, and you'll find the show notes on my eponymous site, MinterDial.com. Enjoy the show. Andrew McGuinness, thank you for coming on to the Minter Dialogue. So you are running dot, dot, dot London, which you're going to tell us about, but you're also the, the team that put together this wonderful experience that I enjoyed called the Somni, the Somni experience. So Andrew, let's start with finding out who you are and what's your mindset these days. So my name is Andrew McGuinness. Um, I've worked in the creative industries uh, all of my life, so mainly advertising uh, and PR. Um, but I'm now fascinated by this whole area of the kind of going out economy, people looking for something new and different to do. Uh, and that really was the inspiration for Dot Dot Dot. So essentially, let's just start, start with that point, the, the, the idea of going out. To what extent is that something that brands can or should be integrating into their marketing mix? I think they definitely should be integrating it. I mean, you know, you've got a, a bunch of uh, people, the epicenter of which are the millennial uh, group. You know, this, so this much-quoted stat of 72% of millennials would rather spend money on experiences rather than things. That's the epicenter of something that we think is a much bigger change. So people are looking for new and different experiences rather than going out and buying stuff. Uh, and that's got all sorts of benefits for us as a society, uh, and we think that's a great move. But one of the challenges is that when they go out, much of what's on offer is pretty similar to that that was on offer when I was in my 20s. Mm. Um, So there isn't that much new and different to do. So I think from a point of view of brands, certainly they should be integrating their brands and making their brands part of that experience economy rather Mm. than the stuff economy. Mm. Um, uh, but, uh, But in some ways, we're kind of more interested in becoming a brand or uh, known for something in our own right rather than just integrating it with uh, existing brands that are, uh, have been built fundamentally to be part of the stuff economy. Mm. Well, so I'm wondering whether this is unique to the millennials, this desire for experience. Do you have comparable data on older people? Because at some level, if, if our life is just this voyage that we're on, it's all about experience. And isn't it something that's relevant for the older populations as well? 100%. Um, the data tends to exist around millennials, and, and this can often be the case with, you know, uh, with the media tends to get an idea into its mind and then find data to reinforce a particular idea. But it's no, no way uh, limited to millennials. It cascades out from millennials. I think the change is biggest amongst millennials over the shortest period of time, um, fueled by all sorts of things, by environmentalism, in, uh, fueled by different economic circumstances, so they aren't necessarily able to buy stuff mm-hmm. um, because of their economic circumstance and therefore turning to experiences so I think it's fueled by lots of different things but it definitely cascades out and there's also some very rich data about 45 50 plus group 
also over-indexing on the desire to have experiences uh, rather than things. But it's, it's something that's a big part of our society going forward. Yeah, would you not say then amongst the things um, that have caused this, there's also this phenomenon of when you go down the high street, every brand or you know, shop is the same type of shop in every city. And there's been a harmonization, homogenization of these experiences. So in my old days, you know, maybe you can rec- recollect this, the bobo, the bohemian bourgeois. So this bohemianness was the idea of looking for uniqueness. And it seems to be maybe that's what attracts me is to have some unique experiences. Like I don't want to go on holiday where everybody is. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's always been a kind of a desire. I think humans have always wanted that uniqueness. Uh, in some ways, we we somehow want tribal uniqueness. I think that's right. the weird thing that we try and we tend to kind of veer to uniqueness with others. Uh, we want we want to be we want to be part of a community, but be different within it. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And and certainly the desire to have different experiences uh, is part of that. Is it linked to the high street? I don't know. I think you can get uniqueness in stuff if you want uniqueness in stuff probably more easily than you've ever been able to get it via uh, the internet. You know, I think the internet allows uniqueness to be found much more easily than when we were limited by geographical uh, relationship to shops, mm-hmm, uh, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think this is this is a, a, a bigger thing where people are taking a. I, I think you know, it's it, in a way, it's been again fueled by a younger generation, but mm-hmm. it's cascading out mm-hmm. where we're taking a slightly more, dare I say, it, spiritual view of what our existence is about, mm-hmm. and we don't just want to. We don't want to be defined by what car we drive or what label we've got or whatever. I mean, that doesn't mean that those things aren't important. It just means that they're not the only thing that's important. Well, I must say that must be a beautiful conduit into the conversation about Somni. So um, let's start with what was, is the mission of, well, what is it, in your words, and what is the mission of Somni? So Somni is the first experience from dot, dot, dot. Uh, and dot 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 exists to bring together what we call layered reality so it's deep uh, experiences that people have and the and the depth comes from the combination of digital elements so augmented reality virtual reality uh, all of the digital tools that are available to us theatrical elements so large-scale sets we are set for some nice 20,000 square feet uh, and actors and then physical elements taste temperature and touch and all of those things come together in layers to deliver you a more immersive experience than you'd otherwise have. So we don't want you to dissect those constituent parts. Mm-hmm. We don't want it to be about the technology, really. The technology is a tool to enable us to, to, to deliver you an extraordinary uh, immersive experience. And Somni is the first of those experiences. And, and Somni is a, 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 a sleep clinic. Um, that allows the conceit of which is that it will allow you to be a better version of who you are. And it's a sleep clinic that uh, you'll discover as you go into the show without giving too much away. Sure. It's actually been set up by um, AI. So it's been set up by an, a, an artificial intelligence body to try and teach us humans something about ourselves. And you go through a journey through various states of sleep um, uh, and you have various dreams, and the conclusion of those dreams allows you to get a better understanding about who you are. Um, so on, on one level, there's a kind of a, a key narrative to Somni that, that hopefully in some way tells us a little bit more, helps us understand a little bit more about who we are. Equally, the key thing about it is it's a great, fun, entertaining night out. And you know, we want people to be energised uh, and entertained first and foremost, by Somni. And then maybe at some point in a week or two, reflect on it and go, actually, there was a bit more to that. But the, the real thing is, if you want to have a great, fun night out, have a new and different kind of experience, then that's what we're trying to deliver with Somni. I like that. So I, I do want to dig in on the artificial intelligence component to it. What, 
what what did that look like in terms of the construction or the participation within the event? So it's it's if you like the artificial intelligence is a is a kind of narrative conceit. Um, so so Somni are a an all seeing being that are have been developed by uh, artificial intelligence, um, and uh, they are trying to help us as humans through the, through the Somni story. Um, but really, all of these elements are relatively nuanced. Uh, the key thing that, that's uh, there is that you go through a series of extraordinary experiences using new and different technologies, but layered with great, th- fantastic sets, uh, with fantastic acting uh, and, and physical elements, so that you get truly immersed in the environment you're in. Uh, there's one particular experience, for example, that uses um, roaming VR, which hasn't been used that much, uh, where, you, where you can move around freely in, in VR. And you'll, you may remember this, where you walk over a physical element. Um, you feel it on your feet. You feel it. You, 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 uh, you can see it, obviously, through the virtual reality. But, but also what, format. Yeah, and what people don't necessarily realize within that experience is that there is also scent and temperature and wind that's being used. So that they are, in this particular point, really challenged. Some people find it really a very difficult thing to do, the, the, uh, the experience that they're having. But the reason why the experience is so rich is because all of these layers are coming together mm-hmm. to convince your brain that you are actually in that environment. And that's when we get it really right, when we can take you somewhere else completely mm-hmm. through the combination of these different layers. Now you lose touch with your daily reality and you're immersed in this new experience. So, um, Andrew, you put this together, 20,000 square feet in the centre of the, the, the keenest part of London. What were the biggest challenges you had in putting it, pulling it together? I mean, you, it's been around since now at the end of March, if I recall. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I mean, it was a big challenge. Um, you know, first of all, to get to convince people to, to back the business, uh, to try and describe what this thing was yeah. before it existed. Uh, hairy, was, uh, process, yeah, it was difficult. It was difficult and uh, led to some quite amusing conversations in uh, August uh, boardrooms where people just did not understand right. what the heck what? we were talking it's about. Mixed word? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so people were confused by that. But then really after that, you're bringing together lots of different disciplines. So you're bringing together, you know, um, digital technologists, you're bringing together programmers, you're bringing together uh, theatrical uh, set designers, actors, you're bringing together experts in scent uh, and how that works, and then trying to make all of that work together in a seamless way. Uh, the way Somni works is that you go, you experience Somni in groups of six, uh, and groups of six uh, begin their experience every 10 minutes. Uh, so there's quite a kind of complexity to that as well. So the, the technology aspects of it and the logistical delivery elements of it were complex. But the thing that we've been so delighted with, and, you know, we look at, uh, say, for instance, our Facebook reviews, 4.6 out of 5, you know, mm. people are completely oblivious to that, and so they should be. Uh, mm. People are just coming here to have a great experience, and then they end up in uh, our bar uh, at the end of it, which is a fantastic bar that transforms around you digitally and has uh, augmented reality cocktails and all of that. And then they just want to babble about their experience. Right. And that's when we've got it right. When they aren't thinking about any of those complexities, they're just immersed in their experience. They get to the bar. They desperately need a drink because they want to <laughs> kind of... Uh, uh, yeah, they want to talk to their friends. Yeah. Uh, and then also discover that their friends have had different experiences within the same experience, which, which isn't necessarily apparent as you go through, um, so that they're right. then sharing information uh, there. So that's when we get it right. So uh, was there a reason for the number six? It just uh, it's it's a 
Not really, is the honest answer. Uh, I think um, there's an argument going forward that that could be slightly bigger groups, but um, it doesn't. It, it would never be. It, I think there's something you want to maintain some level of intimacy right. because it's a pretty intimate, intense uh, experience that you go through. Well, I, I have, of course, no idea what the experience is for everybody, but certainly the very first time I did it with the first question, it begs a certain intimacy in the answer, and so you don't want to be with too many people, otherwise you end up with sort of you know. Oh, my biggest my biggest weakness is I'm determined, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what about in the group of people you pulled together? Did you have any specialists in sleep? Was that something that is also sort of, I say, scientifically researched, or or was that more just your own common knowledge? We took a lot of we did a lot of research around all aspects of it. Really, uh, we did a lot of research into sleep. Um, didn't have anybody. We didn't bring on board an expert uh, in sleep. We did bring on board an expert in in trauma, for example, because some elements of the uh, show are quite scary. So mm-hmm. we we un- wanted to understand that better and understand how we uh, dealt with that. On sleep, there's a lot written uh, about sleep and a lot written, uh, particularly about dreams. Um, and so there was an awful lot to draw on there. And then, you know, then I think you want to overlay on that. You want to overlay on an in inverted commas the experts' uh, view. How people experience dreams, right. what, their, what their most common dreams are, how all those dreams make them feel, um, and kind of in a way take a, um, a, I suppose, a less expert view as well and make, make, there, make there be an interplay between those two things. Right. As soon as you get into sort of domain of academic sleep, it, it almost loses you with REM and non-REM and so on. So um, when uh, you do this experience, uh, as you said, you mentioned just before, you end up possibly doing a new, another version than someone else in your group. How many, I mean, so I don't know if you want to relay this, but how many different types of experiences are there? Cause, I mean, presumably in the storytelling that you create the path, you're obviously, you, you want to have an accident that makes people, oh my gosh, didn't know that, at least, or I didn't know you did that other journey. But did you really create, because you have six groups going off for every hour, is it, is it the same type of diversions or do you have actually multiple various versions? There are lots of different versions of it. I won't go into. I won't spoil it for people Please by don't. by um, revealing uh, too much because part of it is not knowing too sure. much uh, about it. Um, but there are multiple versions through it. And the other key thing within it is that the choices you make within the experience uh, have consequences uh, that you experience within uh, within the show. Um, so so depending upon the choices that you yourself make, they have uh, uh, different consequences for you and, and mean that you have a different experience. So we've had. Lots of people come back multiple times. I think our, uh, we've only been open now for about 10 weeks. Um, I think our uh, highest quota is about five times over right. those 10 weeks. So that's pretty high frequency, uh, which we weren't really predicting. Right, and, and they, had, they recounted that they had five different journeys. They, they in, in a way, they've, uh, they've just gone through it. There's one person in particular who's just gone through it because they, they love it, and, right. and she actually has thing. had. Right. Well, she has had different journeys, but she wasn't doing it for that reason, right. actually. She was just doing it because there is a richness to it, and, and um, uh, you know, when you come out of it, there is that feeling of, uh, wow, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to go through that again to understand a bit more or take more in, um, and I think that's, that's been her key thing. But, yeah, there are multiple journeys that you can go through. That's probably presumably why I'm here. <laughs> So um, how do you gauge success? Because you obviously got backing, there's financial components to this, you got the 4.6 on Facebook, uh, and you were planning to go further afield. How do you gauge success? The most important success is when is that moment when someone comes through from the experience, opens the door, and then the, the, the bar there is revealed. 
uh, and then when you sit down with those people in the bar and show them the app, uh, the dot 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 app, and then show them what's up within the app, and they can see how their bodies responded to the uh, to the experiences they've gone through, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you get a brilliant gauge on how well you've done in that moment. When they want to, when someone comes through and they know that you're in some way connected to it and yet still want to babble and tell you all about it and tell you what happened to them and, and then this happened and then that happened and this was my favourite. That's the most important element of success. So the bartender has to say, yeah, yeah, that's really wow. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And what about um, capturing data? What is your play on data? I, I presume with all this digitality, you've got some kind of information you're capturing to understand who's enjoying what or how you know your success monitor yeah we have to be very careful about so so there's biometric monitoring uh, of you as you as you go through the uh, experience Um, but we're very careful about that uh, that data actually and we aren't then trying to do anything with that as a as a a, to to bring all that data together no i was thinking more about understanding people's experience and sort of understanding the meta levels so that you can in your future program better these kind of things yeah, I think the most important data on something like this is is that what do they babble about most? Right. You know, there is a kind of spontaneity the and uh, the human element. Uh, what do people write in their reviews on uh, Facebook? Uh, what do they tell their friends? Um, to us, that's the most rich data um, is is how people respond in that moment when they've had that experience. Um, and then you know, we're, we're fortunate that we get to see our audience, literally get to see our audience every single night. And so you're getting a sense of what what's resonates and what doesn't. And I suppose, therefore, the metadata becomes us assimilating all of all right. that we've heard right, right. and then turning that into, uh, into plans for the future. So other than this woman who's done it five times, what has surprised you most? I think the degree to which people, uh, you go through a series of different experiences with Insomni, I think the degree to which different people will passionately argue about what they think is the best uh, element of the experience mm-hmm. overall. Um, and the variance in that is really very great. Um, so, so that's been surprising. Um, and presumably that's really good because that also demonstrates the engagement. I mean, it's almost, it's become my experience and my thing was the best as opposed to this other organization creating it. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think I think it's both. It both uh, illustrates that. It also shows how how different we are as humans. You know that that you know people want something different from experiences. And back to your point about high street shops and the homogenization of life and all of that. Um, maybe there's something more you know interesting in that. In that that you know the the. the Everybody has their peccadilloes. Everybody has the the things that they love, and there's a kind of something that's joyous uh, about that. Um, and that's been really nice, actually, because we thought there might end up with being a kind of almost a common ranking, uh, and there really isn't. I want to just go quickly to the actress who was our muse, as I called her in my blog post. Um, she had such vivacity and uh, and energy, and I really felt like it was you know she was like doing our show for us. How do you keep that? I mean, how do you keep them, her in particular, I suppose, um, so motivated over you know doing it so repetitively? It's a hard thing to put on a show all the time and really keep that level of huge zest. We've got. I mean, it starts with having great acting talent. You know, we, we've uh, we've recruited great people. Gone, been very very laborious about that. You know, had thousands of applications for for uh, a comparatively small number of roles. That's probably the most important step. 
There is, um, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting role from an acting point of view because... It's not, it, it's not just one way. It, no, it's not one way. Uh, I mean, you know, it is immersive theatre and all the unpredictability of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also there's an intimacy back to, you know, you are there performing for a group of six people. Uh, and that's, you know, both incredibly exposing if you were looking on the negative side of it, but incredibly energising uh, if you look on the positive. And I think what our, um, our, our team, our cast of Somni... Um, have found is that they gain great energy from that from that group, uh, from the group of people that they're going around with, and that no group is the same, and therefore no performance is the same, uh, and and there's a kind of a, a kind of a richness that comes from that. So in the middle of my journey, there was an ethical question posed. I'm wagering that there was an ethical type of question in any journey. Did you have an ethicist come up with this, or is this sort of Andrew and his team just sort of, hey, what would be a really interesting question to come up with? The, the, we didn't have an ethicist. No, I don't, is, is it such a thing. As I don't a, even know. I invented it on the fly. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I kind of quite like. I, I might apply to be an ethicist. I'm not sure I'd be a very good one. But um, no. So, so that was. Uh, we had a terrific. We got a terrific uh, creative team led by uh, Connie Harrison, who is um, uh, creative director overall, and, and she devised that um, as, a, as, a, as part of the uh, the experience. Uh, so no, we didn't. We didn't consult an ethicist, even if one exists. But I'm going to have to Google it afterwards to see whether you can be an ethicist. Tell me if I'm wrong. Um, what about uh, the future? So now you are planning to. Be, this is closed down at the end of the month, right? And then you're planning to go elsewhere. Can you tell us about where you're planning to go? And the thing I'd be interested to, presuming you are going, is how you're going to adapt. Because if you're, you know, going to do this in Shanghai, it might be very different than it might be in Paris, and so on. So we, we, it's, we've extended this run okay. uh, here. Um, so we've uh, just put tickets on sale through to July. Um, it's just been, you know, incredible the, the response that it's had. Okay. So, um, so that's 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 good. Uh, and we we hope we hope that that will continue for a little uh, longer in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would love to take it to different cities around the world. And I think that understanding how we adapt it or kind of don't adapt it, I think, mm-hmm. is interesting. You know, there's an interesting uh, debate to be had in that. Well, it, I mean, at one level, the Somni experience would be stamped England, you know, or at least London. Dot 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 London, and, and you could you know, be the argument would be I take London overseas, but at the same time, this notion of intimacy, the notion of, of sleep, the, the cultural components must be, I mean, I, I haven't gone through it, but it must be quite different from country to country. And of course, there's the language too. Yeah, langu- language is obviously it's going to be important. Um, we've, we've deliberately devised a uh, construct or a theme, an area around sleep, which is a kind of, you know, we, we think that those universal human truths, as we look to things that we do in the future things that are that do travel uh, beyond boundaries is important so the starting point is something that will resonate in uh, in every city we think uh, but then working through the nuances of how that resonates making sure that you adapt to local cultures and fit in or or, or don't fit it or choose not to fit in mm-hmm. with those uh, um, local um, uh, needs um, will be will be an important decision um, so uh, yeah, that that will be a, a great a great creative challenge actually as we go to each city. All right, let's just talk a little bit tech. So we have this augmented reality, virtual reality, and in my experience to date, most of the virtual reality stories uh, seem incomplete. Uh, somehow the storytelling. It almost has to be guided even before you get into it in order rather than you own it yourself as you go through it. What do you think is the 
how excited are you about the developments within these technologies? And, and what have your, been your lessons learned so far in applying AR, VR, and this mixture of human plus tech going forward? I mean, I think it's an incredibly exciting area. Uh, the whole technology explosion is an incredibly exciting area. I personally am excited by what the tech can deliver. You know, I have people on the team who are incredibly excited about the tech itself and will tell you, you know, a, a great length about, about the technology. I'm interested in that, but I'm much more interested in what that technology can do for people. And, and we've taken the position where we are very consciously technology agnostic. So we aren't a virtual reality business. Um, we will move with whatever the technology is that will allow us to deliver the very best experience for our uh, consumers. And that's very important for us, that we're not locked into uh, any particular technology or any particular moment in time uh, of when technology is delivering. There is a real challenge. I mean, um, trying to communicate and stories within virtual reality is complex. And, and we've consciously used virtual reality in different ways within the uh, within the show so some of it is entirely free roaming and you are in complete control of the story that you experience and what you see within that uh, experience some of it is more controlled um, but always we are bringing together going back to that layered reality thing there is no point at which you're just having a virtual reality uh, experience you're always layered with physical elements with uh, things happening to you with a set with act with touch um, and that's what makes it really rich um, and so I think it's using it in lots of different ways um, making people when you succeed is when they forget that they've had a virtual reality experience right. really and they just happen to be in a set um, and th th they, they are just a conduit to something Are there any other technologies that excite you as far as making more layered realities or, or anything else for that matter you know autonomous cars? I think the, the I think uh, augmented reality when we get the when we get the real deal uh, is incredibly uh, exciting. So the idea, you know, within our we worked hard within one of our virtual reality experiences here, for example, um, that you can see people around you, uh, and so you have social interaction whilst you are within a virtual world, and that human interaction and being in an extraordinary digital. Uh, world that's the real deal that's the really really exciting thing mm -hmm. and at the moment the technology isn't quite there uh, we used in our uh, pilot show we used hololens microsoft hololens which is a fantastic tool but has some limitations um, but when that when you really can see the physical environment you're in if you imagine that as a giant set and then you can overlay on top of that physical uh, sorry digital elements that will be fantastic mm -hmm. um, so we're very very excited by that um, yeah, I think I think more broadly, you know, I think um, we are at a very exciting time now, where you know the the uh, the, the the beginning of the driverless uh, economy, and you know, have we reached peak car? Just as we've reached peak stuff, are they subsets of each other? Mm -hmm. I think that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, again, the thing that interests me is the way that humans then use that. Uh, it's less about the technology, technology of the driverless car, and more about what's that going to mean? Will we? You know, will our my, my mother was moaning the other day about the parking on the road and how it's worse and you know worse than it's ever been. And I said, well, you, you know, don't worry about that too much because you know we probably are at a point where that's going to not be a problem. Yeah. That kind of how that affects our day-to-day -day lives as humans uh, and how how we in our business can use that technology to touch people and leave them with a memory. Mm -hmm. That's really exciting. Mm -hmm. All right. So last word would be on your business. So you've done this experience which is, I, I assume, some sort of standalone entertainment slash missionary experience. 
do you, what type of other clients do you have? Are, are you mostly in the entertainment space or are you also working with lots of brands and creating immersive experiences for brands? So at the moment we're entirely in the uh, entertainment space. We've, had, we've been focusing entirely on this. Going forward for the right kind of brands, um, you know, and that will be very important to us. Our, our kind of ethical um, standards are very high. You know, ten percent of the of dot 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 is owned by a charitable foundation. So, so in a way, the whole mission of the business is to try and do something that's for a broader good. In inverted commas, um, but for the right kind of brands with the right kind of mission, that would be really interesting. But our primary focus is on delivering entertainment to people when they're out of home looking for something new and different to do in a city um, and and try to just bring something that 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 uh, invigorates people that makes them feel alive again that gives them a memory that they can they can pass on gives them something they can share with people in the evening but also share then more broadly on on social afterwards all right, so anyone who wants to go to see Somna, it's available in London through the end of July. Now new tickets are just put on sale. What are, what are the prices and where can we go get tickets? So prices are from £35, um, a snip, I would say, a snip at £35. And the uh, web address is dot, dot, dot London. so dot, dot, dot London. <laughs> Make sure that third one is just a period. <laughs> All right, listen, thank you, Andrew, for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. I enjoyed it, and hopefully this will encourage some more people to come visit Somni. Thank you very much. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on MinterDial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please like the handy Facebook button, or better yet, head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. But first, relax to Josh Sachs's Finger Paint. Oh, fill me all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray and heal me with all your imperfections that you mention in your lack of
Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.